1: podcast. Who is Greg going to piss off today? <laughs>
2: and that's why you listen in part, because you want to know who Greg's going to get angry next. Spoiler alert, it's Mark from the Chris Wesley Podcast Studio. It's around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis. Greg is here. Mark is here. Week 15 is here. Nailed it.
3: Uh, perfectly done with the sound and the music ending, just as you as you spoke. There. Well, That's- who's to
4: say that you guys aren't going to get me mad today?
2: You know, uh, it's it's hard to get you mad. I've done it, but it's not easy to do. <laughs> At least out. Yeah, you tried. Uh, OK, this is a good one. It It's different now. The bye weeks. It's over. No more buys. There's not three. We- There's not three weeks left in the season. There's four because this is. The biggest season ever, Mark Sessler.
3: It is, and I love the robust nature of it.
2: Um, I totally support the extra week. Uh, I, I, it's it's a joy. And don't forget the runner up in the slogan for the season. Football was family. <laughs> um, so we have four weeks left. It the is... longest
4: season ever was another one they <laughs>
2: yeah. tried out. Well, it's accurate. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, no more buys. So we got 32 teams in action this week. However, different setup we have two Saturday games we have the Thursday night game you'll hear the recap of that Chiefs Chargers tonight we have a Monday night game that involves the Vikings so everybody rejoice rejoice because it's going to be a wild game that goes down to the finish and then we have a slate of Sunday games and that is what we will pull from for the draft but before we get to uh, the games and the preview previews we got to talk about the latest coach to go down and um, I have to say the firing of Urban Meyer, um, certainly in our time doing the show, has to go down as the most like an unprecedented shit show in this <laughs> realm. Like, is does anything top? And I texted Steve Weiss this morning because I know he used to cover the Falcons and I asked him what if you thought maybe the Bobby Petrino uh, situation that down was there bad. was worse, worse. Um, Steve hasn't gotten back to me. Maybe
4: he's busy. I don't know. It's on that- air, yeah. I just saw him on air.
2: Maybe was, it's personal. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna try to like move past that. But I think pound for pound, when you factor in everything that Meyer was supposed to be and everything he became, which was monstrous to this franchise, Greg, this is the worst hire of all time in the NFL. <laughs> well, especially when yeah, you think of the the money,
4: the length of the contract. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna try. Shad Khan, that the team owner, is gonna try to say that this was for cause and not pay him. We'll see. But in terms of everything that that happened throughout Petrino, I remember I was working at PFT at the time, I I think, and he was a really bad coach that was getting a lot of criticism. But the thing he's just remembered for is they just like left suddenly that he just ducked <laughs> out. There wasn't this like you weren't expecting that to happen. That was part of the excitement with Petrino was he just left like a hand or a, a a printed out letter in everyone's locker. And it was like, what? He just, he just he just ditched Urban Meyer. It started with, you know, the racist offensive line coach that that he hired. Bit of a red flag right off the bat. That was that was bad. Um <laughs> And it continued with all these different stories. And the crazy part was it really does feel like Josh Lambeau, the former kicker who uh told the story to to the athletic that Urban Meyer literally kicked him um during training camp and when when you know Lambeau responded saying, Don't touch me using some color for words, yeah, you know, Urban said, I'll I'll kick whoever I want. Again, I'm
2: taking out the color for words. Well, he, you know, said, I, he said, I'm the ball coach. Yeah. I'll kick whoever the blank I want. It's like Dude, what? <laughs> and by the way, oh, yeah, yeah. he denied all that or whatever. Uh, but he definitely did that stuff. And here's the other thing. There is a connection here. The kicker <laughs> club is not just this party zone. Okay. The kicker club has a little pop. It has a little juice outside the velvet rope. And once we heard that someone harmed or disrespected one of our own, Ooh. we sent some heavy hitters to, to Urban
3: should. Meyer's career. And that's That's how, what that,
2: that's how that club works. Um, well done, way. You the come club. for one of us, you come for all of us, and we're coming back at you ten times as strong. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Back to reality. I uh
3: yeah, I think with Urban Meyer too, like it seemed like no one wish casted him to be what he might be more than Shad Khan. I mean, who just like called him essentially his dream hire, and had clearly been fascinated with him for so long. I think there were plenty of people, inside and outside the NFL, that thought it was a, a really um, high risk, high reward uh, hire from the start, and it turned into. I just think it, it it is it's a contrast in like why a lot of these college coaches um, don't work in the NFL too, and how it just doesn't it doesn't pan out because Urban Meyer, wherever he went, was like the sun. Every he was he had all power, but that's not how the, the league works essentially, where you've got to work with. Uh, an owner. You've got to, you know, probably do all sorts of stuff you didn't have to do as a college coach. You can't lean on your recruiting class year after year. And you find (laughs) out that it's a lot harder to win with a trash bag roster. And I don't think Urban Meyer ever really seemed um, mentally or psychologically up to the task of a rebuild. It was like, we're, his even his words, it's like, we're here to win right now. And I know some of that's coach speak, but I think he literally got about six or seven weeks into it. And I, I had no more f- enjoyable thing on Sundays than looking at his face each week. I think he was someone that was <laughs> so unhappy and out no, of the, place. That
2: handshake, and it was the final handshake oh. of his NFL career with Mike Vrabel, a former assistant, after he was shut out. Uh, and again, the last game of his NFL career, because he will never sn- he will never sniff professional football in uh, at this level again, said it all. He, had, You know, just that he was in his own world, a world of his own creation, and nobody wanted to help him and nobody uh, will. And he was tuned out like when they would ask him about, you know, James Robinson coming
4: on and off the field, but also, you know, his safety like he he was not too plugged in. And he thought it was just this top down, you know, style of management could work that this staff, which he had trouble putting together. He was not picking like the, the top of the litter here. He, you know, Joe Collins, his defensive coordinator, uh, back in the day, you know, it was with the lions and everything during zero 16. It's like they didn't respect him. No one respected him. He, and I guess it's just like he, it was just this force of personality. And if you're Shad Khan, like people are getting on urban Meyer of like, you're calling all your coaches losers who hired him. Like you hired him, urban Meyer. Well, sh- who hired urban Meyer? It was it was this ownership, which for the last uh, 11 seasons, 10 of which Shad Khan's been involved, they've won more than six games one time.
2: I mean, can we set the line that he said when he sat at the dais after draft day, after Trevor Lawrence came in the building, Travis Etienne was on the stage, Urban Meyer was on the stage, and Shad Khan says, this time I got it right. I mean, he w- He did not see this coming. Not at all. And it is, if you're a Jaguars fan right now, A, you're relieved that Urban Meyer is out of the building because this guy was a nightmare from day one, obviously. But at the same time, there are a lot of concerns. A, do you have ownership that has the right instincts to run an organization properly? Uh, B, the damage done to Trevor Lawrence in his rookie year, is that something that could be undone? Where is he from a mental standpoint, let alone, forget about the physical side and learning the sport like this. Does he still love the game after this year? It's been that type of bad season. There mm. are a lot of big concerns. And
4: and yet, like, when you look back to the way Urban Meyer spoke so forcefully, and we had him, I don't know if you guys remember, we had him on as a guest uh, during the offseason. Like, you could see, like, how Shad Khan uh, could fall for this sort of confidence. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> i'm not shit kelly i'm not nick saban jumping to the ncaa at the first sign of trouble who do these people think they're dealing with so what if i hired a racist strength coach what am i zip recruiter see and it's just like when when you're I that forgot. powerful a figure um you just you convince people what a get by us i forgot about that
3: yeah that was a. Uh... You know, it was a spicy get Uh, Greg. I I will say that you um, he's been on your radar, Urban Meyer, from the minute he entered the league
2: (laughs) and now he exits the league. So and by the way, Daryl Bevel takes over as the interim coach. We'll get to their matchup a little bit later. But obviously, it's really not about the rest of the season for the Jaguars. It's what they do next. And they have a lot to do to get things right. All right, let's get to week 15. Let's start before we get to our draft with uh, the Saturday games and the primetime games on Sunday and Monday. So we'll start with Raiders at Browns. And uh, okay, so the Raiders have been pretty brutal since their bye week. They had that win over one win over the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. That's increasingly feeling like an outlier. Uh, Look at the bigger picture of where they're at, and it feels like the same thing that's happening. The last couple of years is happening again. They are dead in the water. I feel that they are. I don't think they have a pulse. So I locked up the Browns and I will stick with that lock as soon as 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 long as we get some semblance of the Cleveland Browns on the field Saturday. And that's where it gets interesting, Mark, and interesting in a bad way is that COVID-19 has wiped out seemingly half of the Browns roster and coaching staff once again.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's the cherry on top of a terrible um, COVID Omnicron laced week for the entire league They've got, it, it. you know, it's 15-plus, um, 10 regular contributors or starters. It includes Baker Mayfield. It includes Wyatt Teller. It includes uh, Jedrick Wills. That's two key components of your offensive line. Um, a sent, you know, Jarvis Landry's out. A flock of skill position players. Uh you know it's it's the kind of thing that I you know you if you were to back out of this lockdown I mean you'd have every reason in the world to because it's anyone's guess your their coach won't be on the field either um what will happen on Sunday I know Darren Waller is out for the Raiders um that has been a big part of why they have looked so punchless uh but they in general seem like a team that is just a lost ship at this point they're not very good in any way even like I Derek Carr still gives them a chance in this game but I think Cleveland can still win this. I just my head is spinning trying to catch up with how they can feel the team. I think that one thing that we underrate a little bit, because we're on a fantasy football coach where it's like, oh, you've got to go figure out what to do if Jarvis Landry was your fourth wideout on your fantasy team. But like there are probably, you know, thirty percent of their playbook options that are not options now because you're gonna have practice squad guys in there and backups. Like they've not been used this way, and so your ability to be creative is limited. That said, you're playing a Raiders team with a limited creativity of its own.
4: Right. The Raiders offensive line has gone from passable to just brutal the last few weeks. Because I keep watching Carr each week, like with this eye on really moving him down in the QB index and seeing how he's playing. Where's he at now? I think he's at 8 or 9 or something. Whoa, okay. But he i don't know what else he could have first of all you know th- three of his teammates fumbled last week and another one dropped a pass that turned into an interception and that's just bad luck but the offensive line has slowly gotten worse and worse it's what we talked about in the offseason and one part of the browns team that actually is still healthy we hope uh is the defensive line now jadavian clowney's you know, had a non-COVID illness and is out of practice. Miles Garrett's been, like, trying to stay as far away from the team as possible and because, you know, he has asthma, and he had his COVID last week, but he is expected to play. The defensive line is supposed to be healthy, and that's the group, I think, that needs to step up, and Garrett kind of have that Defensive Player of the Year um, moment continued from a week ago when he absolutely stepped up and, and had one and helped them get that victory. With all that said, the COVID stuff... It worries me because it's bunched up. And, Dan, that, that would be a gutsy lock. I think it's a pick em now. It was the Browns favored by 5.5 at one point because the COVID issues are all clustered. It's Landry and Hooper, so there's two of your pass catchers. They're two leading—the only two pass catchers they had with it's, more than 30 catches. It's two of your best three offensive linemen in Teller and um, in in Wills. And then it's four of your six top defensive backs, including two, you know, two safeties, a couple corners— And so that's a lot and and like they should be given. And I, I don't think Baker being gone hurts at all. Case Keenum might be an upgrade and I don't think he's a downgrade for a one week situation, but
2: the, the rest of it, that's a lot. It's a lot to ask. I think they could do it, but it's still a lot to ask. Now here's something and Mark and I were talking about it before we came in here. Now at a certain point, yes. If you lose enough guys, you can't even be the same team you were, but this, Brown's team does have a way of responding well to adversity. And as long as they don't have all these guys out, the maybe they get some back. Uh, and Joku's
4: back Saturday. for since we found out on Wednesday and Thursday.
2: I still I still like their chances. And then you look at the urgency factor for the Browns, because this should have been a gimme where the Raiders are. And now it's up in the air, obviously, because of covid. Uh, but this is the last time the Browns have what would uh, be a very winnable game. They they're at Green Bay next week at Pittsburgh, which you know is always going to be a fight, and then home against Cincinnati. So all those games are coin flips at best. Green Bay, they'll be a heavy underdog. Uh, This is your chance to get to eight and six and really give yourself a chance to win that division because it's so wide open. Lose this game, again, the Browns are a lot in trouble. I
3: mean, to Greg's cluster comment, like that when that happened to the Browns last year, Yes, you have the Steelers game that they won with no Kevin Stefanski and players out, but they lost to the Jets because they were down to like one wide receiver. I just it limits what you can do. And the Raiders, I mean, I know we're down on them. They're still a good football team. They have a good pass rush mm-hmm. of their own against the wounded. You going to Chris Rose's line. house
4: for this?
2: I heard. You know, I heard some talk in the film Whoa. room. There is some possibility
3: of
4: that. There is some possibility of that.
2: Whoa, can Ricky? Can you send hey, we're tight. like a camera crew <laughs> for the Cessler? <laughs> Chris Rose experience. We gotta see, James, get see, please. like how big is Chris Rose's house? He's had a really good career. Like, I got, well, I, you I know, love seeing that kind of stuff.
3: I would just say this: <laughs> that if I were invited over to someone's house, I'm, yeah. I'm going to only release positive reports. I'm not going to return to the show,
2: you know, as some sort right. of double agent. You but know. then we could have a private conversation. I'm just saying. I would like to know what Chris Rose's house looks like. I I would imagine that it's a wonderful place. Um, All right. So there's that. And I will stick with the lock for now. I'm locking up the Browns, but I reserve the right come Saturday about, you know, noontime Pacific. I'm going to get a lay of the land here and I'll move off if I have to. But I do like the Browns a lot in that game. The other Saturday game. It's a primetime game. It's a gorgeous one. The New England Patriots nine and four coming off there by travel to Lucas Oil Field Stadium Stadium. Bad job by me. I've been in that building a hundred times to uh, play the Colts at seven and six. Love it. Love it. Love it, Greg, because uh, you have the Patriots who are in first place in the AFC East. They are within striking distance of the where are they currently the number one seed still? They are, yeah, they are. They're the number one seed in the AFC. So and look like it. It's all in front of them. Ooh, they Mark just got to keep winning. <laughs> all right, Mike, we got it. You like their performance in the weather? How about this game though? Because I'll tell you what, maybe it's maybe in the uh, Patriots' hater. I like the Colts Saturday night. Yeah, what do there's you guys think? no way. There's oh, no, wait a second. There's
5: literally no way the Patriots pull this off. Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> like gonna? He's, he is going to be running all over them. <laughs> Will she? And I just there's not one part could of me she? that believes that the Patriots could pull this one out. Would so she? I'm locking up the Colts.
3: Oh, wow. Well, we have a lock off.
2: Oh, oh!
3: I don't care about your little yes! magic spinning where you try to get into, you're not getting into the head of the new England Patriots <laughs> I or the Colts. have
5: been on an unreal backwards jinx streak. We're like, going to start crediting you, with, the credit you with wins for Listeners are, are tweeting every day to like the main around the NFL handle. And I'm like, guys, we we're not going to see that. Is so. it five in a row mm. or something? It's like more than that. Well, so,
2: well, the Patriots have won six in a row. I don't know if you've been along the whole ride. But, I think but I most have. Of it, most of I it. I think it would be funny also just to get Greg mad about it. If we kind of reversed it and said all these locks, obviously she's locking... Uh, the other team, and give mm. her credits for wins, and then see where she's at in the standings. She is
3: she's doing it with that intent, so I do think she should get credit. It's mm. something. It's a conversation. It's a conversation. I, I am this, a witch. This week,
2: you know,
4: some of those they they were heavy favorites, but most of them it was close. This week, they're actually an underdog, the Patriots. It started as a, a slight favorite for the Patriots. How and, mad does that make you, Mark?
3: Oh, you know what? I think it's. I think it. No, it. Uh, we, finish what you're saying, Greg, because I have a thought on that. It annoys me a bit. What? No, I want to know. Well, because you know what? I think it says that there is a. A resistance to accept what is happening. <laughs> there is a resistance, and and I'm and I know it's like I've talked. To, I think Dan has it to some degree, but like Dan's more level-headed than a lot of people out there that just don't want to accept that New England is the best team in the conference. That anything that you look at, I think these are sort of mirror teams to some degree. I know we say that a lot, and it's not always, they're not perfectly the same. But they both want to run the ball. They both have good run-stopping defenses. The Colts at this point, Ryan Kelly said, we put ourselves on the map as a run team. Teams are going to load the box. Only three teams in the league load the box more than the Patriots. I mean, I just think this is going to be – like a I hate this term like an old meat and potatoes type thing and Jonathan Taylor has not been quite as good against stack boxes anything that the Colts can do
2: that looks a little bit Mm. like New England New England can do better I do I I think Belichick is definitely that's going to be an angle for him it's like how do you beat the Colts put the game in Carson Wentz's hands in a big spot in prime time with the whole season seemingly on the line and see if he cracks I don't think that's a bad strategy no I think we learned so much
4: about Wentz the next two weeks against the Pats and the Cardinals because one of the Colts linebackers said this week we want to make them one dimensional. And and like it almost sounds like a shot at Mac Jones, but I I think the Patriots are approaching the game in the same way, and I trust Mac Jones more than Carson Wentz, ultimately, to not make the big mistake. These teams are similar. I mean, it's it's not just the running. It's the turnover margin. They're both incredibly careful with the ball and opportunistic. The, the Colts are first in the NFL, and the Patriots are third, and that's after the Patriots through four or five weeks were terrible. This is usually a kind of a Belichick hallmark. So who can force, like, the big mistake? The difference uh, to me is – if, the, if you make the Patriots throw, like, they'll throw. That's why I was annoyed by all the, like, oh, they don't trust Mac Jones in that game. It's like they threw the ball 32 times the week before against Tennessee because Tennessee had the same idea. We're going to do everything we can to stop the run, and they they did a pretty good job. Mac Jones is happy to dink and dunk, and he's happy to take chances down the field. I think he is less likely to get confused by coverage uh, than, than Carson Wentz in this game, and their red zone defense is a huge difference too the patriots are at first or second in the nfl and the colts Are terrible on paper. They are like doing what they want defensively. They slow teams down, but they don't finish the at at the end of the drive. They often don't finish. I think that's the difference. I I have one weird little stat for you, and I like
3: historical stats on this show. We just toss them out the window. I get it, but it's Belichick-based, and he's been Belichick the whole time. He's the same human being. I like historical stats. All right, well, it's his twenty-first regular season game, where as the Patriots coach, where he's facing a thousand-plus-yard rusher. We're clearly at that point in the season. It's later in the year. It's bad weather. You know that that team is probably based heavily, especially back in the early 2000s, around that rusher. He
4: is 18 and two in those games.
2: Yeah, uh, it's 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 a good stat.
4: I, I don't think the line moving. It, first of all, it was small. It was like it was like one, you know, one for the Patriots to two for the Colts, which is you know a pretty small move ultimately. I think it's just a credit to what the Colts have done, and they're at home that they have legitimately since starting 0 three. Are seven and three with all three of those losses to quality teams in games that they that they lost leads. And their offense is explosive. And so I think you look at these two teams and they're both top 10 NFL teams to me. And I wouldn't have said this a month ago, but I think they're a better matchup than the Bills are for New
3: England. Right. I think they can match up. I think they're a better type strength. of team
2: to, to deal with New England. And by the way, Greg, um, the Colts, despite being seven and six and not in first place in their division, are along with the Patriots in the top ten of the power rankings. I'm with you guys, and that's why I think because I have had reservations about the Pats, but if they do, where go, are the Pats? 17, 18. I have the Pats at five. Actually. Okay, no, I'm, but oh, if the cool. Pats, if the Pats beat the Colts on the road in this spot, not only will I get on the same page as you, I will apologize to you. <laughs> you
3: well, I'm not seeking so that. you not but only will you, cele- you will
2: celebrate a lock win in a big spot. Uh, I will also personally apologize to you on Sunday show. How about that? Well, I'd That's, savor that. that just for, the, Huge game. Just for what it's it is. It's a bigger
4: game for the Colts. It's a big game for both but It's a bigger game for the Colts. They, As good as they are, they risk missing the playoffs here with the Cardinals coming up next and week. And this, this is
3: Dan-centric. You know what I think? Because they asked Belichick about hard knocks, and mm-hmm. you know, of course, he doesn't want to be on it. But you know he wants to author, like, a really
2: ugly episode for the Colts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sunday Night Football, Saints at Buccaneers. Raymond James Stadium, the Saints coming off a win over the Jets. Not overly impressive, uh, but they did get the job done. I believe it was 30 to nine, something along those lines. Uh, And now uh, a much bigger test here against the Bucks uh, coming off that big overtime win against San Francisco. This is a another not San Francisco. Who did they beat last week? Bay. the bills, the bills, the bills, of course, um, this is a big test for uh, New Orleans. Do you think, uh, Mark, that the Bucks have or the Saints have any chance to kind of hang in this battle, considering their quarterback situation?
3: Not really, not in the way that we've seen where they've, you know, they've beaten Brady three consecutive regular season games when they were healthy when they had Drew Brees a year ago, um, I mean, I would have even given them a chance. They, they beat them earlier this year, and they seem to have Brady's number. I mean, there is something to it, just if you look at the recent history. But the way the Bucks are playing right now, uh, and we've said it before, it's like they're so precise and so successful that they're almost an afterthought and sort of dull. I mean, they're 6-0 and at home. Their home and road splits are pretty incredible. They've scored 30-plus in each of those 6-0 and home games. The only other team that's ever done that is the 2007 Patriots. Hmm. I just look at like the way that certain players are heating up. Leonard Fournette is ninth in the league in scrimmage yards. He looks like a player that we've not seen in Leonard Fournette's body in a long, long time. Chris Godwin has 25 catches in the last two games. Gronkowski only played five snaps in that week that they lost to the Saints. We're getting a different Krunkowski right now. I know the defense is a little banged up and up and down, but I mean the Saints are
4: a mash unit, so I don't I think the floor's fallen out. I I struggled with this one because you mentioned it. The last mountain for Brady to climb in Tampa is beating the Saints in the regular season, and even having a clean game against the Saints, period. Because if you remember that playoff game against the Saints, they didn't do anything in the second half. They were totally stymied, and it was their defense, the Bucks' defense, that was were just marauders and would not let Drew Brees get back into that game. But, but the but the Saints' defense for how many games? Is that? Eight quarters has been like. No, more than that. 16 corners has been, like, incredibly competitive against this team, and they are a little healthier than they were. They're healthy on the back end. Um, Defensively, you had Marcus Davenport back last week. You hope you have Cam Jordan back from COVID. So it's definitely uh, wishful thinking potentially, but I I think they will make this a fun Sunday night game, and there is something about this Saints team I haven't totally given up on that they're just – They're more than the sum of their parts. Kamara being back is so huge. I think Taysom Hill actually does give them something uh, at quarterback that you definitely weren't getting with Simeon. And if you look at the Bucs' run defense, which Arians had that thing, it's like nobody runs on us. People have the last month, so that's just the facts and of it. Atlanta did, right? The, the facts are like their numbers, everything about their rush defense hasn't been great. That's who the Saints are. I would love it if their tack, you know, if Ramchek was back for this game. I don't think he will, so they're, they're they're not healthy on offense. I know Deontay Harris got suspended. We never mentioned that he's like their one explosive player. It's like it's ridiculous, but I think
2: their defense can make this fun. You got to keep up. I don't, I don't like what I've seen from Taysom Hill in these two weeks, especially since the finger injury. Um, I thought he was pretty bad for most of that Jets game. And a lot of his numbers came um, on a late touchdown run that didn't matter. And I don't even know if the Jets were playing at that point. Um, But really, the way the ball was coming out of his hand um, was troubling. Now, that was up in northern New Jersey in December. So maybe playing down in Tampa, the finger will react differently. But I just haven't seen enough from him and Plus the fact that he doesn't have a lot of real high octane weapons to throw to. You're not a big Nick Vanette fan. I
4: mean, their number one receiver is Nick Vanette. What is happening?
2: Yeah, well, I like Lil Jordan <laughs> Humphrey. Obviously, we, he's we love her, him here. He's out too. Another injury. Jeez. So we don't have Lil Jordan either. I I think <laughs> there's only uh, Kamara makes them a team to reckon with. But if they're if the Bolzisans is able to negate. Or neutralize Kamara. This is going to be a very one-sided game. I kind of see this one getting away from the Saints. As much as I'm, I'd like to see it, Greg, because I think the Saints are always fun to be in the mix. Uh, I I wish this game is at the Superdome. Put it that we'll way.
4: We'll be yeah, we'll be in the the film. Thing maybe it is wishful thinking, but they were ten and a half point favorites, and I was with you guys initially thinking, "Ah, this is their time to like show that they're just gonna wipe the floor." But it's not like they weren't trying in the other Saints game. Uh, Dennis Allen and this defense is just good. It's, well, one of
3: good. the Saints games was the first Tom Brady in a Bucks uniform. I, I'm not saying I throw that out, but I kind of throw it out, and I, I just I think this is a different situation. I mean, Brady it's fair. talked about in his press conference on Thursday that he still burns with annoyance about the interceptions he threw against the Saints. This season. So it's like he doesn't he that doesn't wash away for him. I think he's determined to wipe away the narrative we're talking about that he can't beat this team.
2: And by the way, there is a path to the playoffs for the Saints, even if they don't win this week. I mean, it'd be nice to win this week, obviously it'd be a huge yeah. for them, uh, but they really have to find a way to split one of the next two weeks at Tampa home Dolphins. OK, win one of those games, then beat Carolina and Atlanta and to end the season. Bang! You're nine and eight, and that could nine get and eight you in. probably gets you in in the NFC. Uh, so find a way to win either this week or next week, and then take care of your business. So the Saints still have a path, uh, but this week's going to be very tough. Finally, Monday Night Football before we get to the draft. Uh, we have the Minnesota Vikings, it's an intense preamble to get to the draft. Today. Oh, yeah. It's a nice buildup. The Minnesota Vikings, the team of Zeus DL coming off another insane game. They really did hit peak Vikings, I think. But you never know. There's been a lot of peaks this season for the Vikings in terms of ridiculousness um, going up 29, nothing at home in the third quarter uh, against the Steelers and still needing to make a stop on the last play of the game. I mean, that's pretty impressive, (laughs) even by their standards. That was pretty (laughs) awesome. Like they almost (laughs) lost that game straight up, Um, but they didn't. They won. They stopped the two game slide uh, and now they get the Bears, who are four and nine, who have one win since October 10th. Um, Greg, this makes sense as a game that Minnesota is going to take care of business, but they're not really a take care of business team. They're
4: not, um, especially on the you know, this game's on the road. It's in the division familiar opponents, the the Bears will be without a lot of their coaches, their coordinators, all got put on the COVID list. Matt Nagy's still there, though. So I don't, know. I don't know if that's, like, a good thing, a bad thing. But the defense for Chicago no has really fallen off a cliff. Like, if Justin Fields was out there playing with, like, the 2018 or even the 2019 Bears defense, like, this team could be competitive, but it's a really bad defense right now. And that's why, also because, you know, I'm not feeling, like, totally alive and I just need to feel something in life oh. and nothing makes you feel
2: something a little more than locking up the Vikings in a small spot. I like that. <laughs> I'm safe. That's where I was going. If I, if I move off the Browns, I will be going Vikings. Okay. You, you come join me. And part of me well, thinks fun. that maybe I should just do it. Get out of that COVID.
3: Do you want Wagmeier. your do you want your football weekend and it's a long one yeah. to
4: begin with a lock with a, lo- a lock that goes south. Now I mean and
3: or I, I'm even saying this as a as a in friend an
4: island because- game or, and you're dying watching like why did I cuz it's not going to be here's the thing with locking up the Vikings. Like you just are accepting that with you're, 4 minutes to yes. go you're nervous. You it's not going to be easy. You're
2: exactly. just And you know what? I've been riding this all <laughs> season long with them. Why don't we just turn up the stakes a little bit? I oh, am wow. going to move my lock <laughs> over to Minnesota. It just feels right. I like the matchup for him. I think they're a far superior team to the Bears. I think Dalvin Cook going from carted off the field to 200 yards rushing again speaks to what a special player he is. Adam Thielen may be back, and that's a big thing for them because he, uh, I think, Kirk Cousins struggles against Pittsburgh, and he was not good at all against the Steelers. A lot of that connected to Adam Thielen being missing. I think it, it really makes him more uncomfortable as a quarterback. And as much as I... I don't know. I do want to say like Cousins, but as much as I think Cousins gets a bad rap sometimes, uh, when you look at what he's able to do, he is kind of a guy that needs things to be in order around him to do his bidding. And uh, take Thielen, his dude, his safety blanket out, and that's been an issue. I think.
3: I it just the the Vikings, to your point, are such a conundrum to analyze because the we did the third, the TNF recap, and I had all these ideas when at halftime. They had played such a complete game against Pittsburgh and out-yardaged them 349. Uh, they held Pittsburgh to 20 passing yards. But then the second half was such a collapse, and you look at a team that since week, night in, week nine in Minnesota is bottom five in points per game allowed, yards per play, total yards, yep. and a or passing rating. It's like, the
4: defense that I'm picking that I'm really locking them up for is that I kind of have faith. They are healthier on defense now than they were – Generally healthy and Zimmer cooking up like a rookie quarterback. And yet it That's sort matter. of what, yeah. And but yet it's, it's, it's gonna Pittsburgh. End up <laughs> with, that it was Pittsburgh's
3: best half of football and offense in the second half there, which is not
2: uh, a small feat. Here's my fear, and cut to Monday night, and I'll get tweets about it. Like, oh, you were right, Dan. It This will be one of those games where you're waiting for their offense to wake up, and it's like, oh, they had two first downs in the first quarter, and right. then all of a sudden. Wait, wait a second. Why are they up seven, six at halftime? Wake up, wake up, wake up. And then they have some type of horrible, hideous. Fields cap. has a 60 yard r- touching rushing touchdown. Exactly <laughs> like I do. I we take this on and Greg is still in the distance in the race. But as someone who's tied with Mark, well, the standings, I'm, I'm done. There is I understand no race this. For me. Is, I'm inviting a level of anxiety in my life that maybe doesn't need to be there holiday season i got the in-laws coming in for a week lots on, going on, on already like for you we're just going to we're going to fire it up and see if the old ticker can take it all right let's take a break <laughs> and then hit the draft All right, welcome back. We have some news. Developing news. I'm Tom Brokaw. <laughs> we have a trade. We have a trade in the draft to announce. It involves the old Zeuser, Dan Zeus. That's me. Damn the quiet storm, Mark. You were slated to pick first overall, but you you have agreed to terms on the following trade. Mark surrenders his first overall pick and the seventh overall pick in exchange for the third overall pick and the fourth overall pick in today's draft. So, Mark, unprecedented, will be drafting Why? three, <laughs> That's a good four, like, what? <laughs> and six. Dan will now be drafting one, seven, and nine. I'm a little worried about Mark
4: here, just like <laughs> – the competitive spirit or, or just like what's going, you're a little like urban Meyer, not knowing his safety. It didn't seem like you were that involved in this trade. You were allowing any terms, uh, that Dan would dictate. I, I was, was a listening very rough to comparison.
2: I was, I was trying to explain it to him, but he didn't seem very he didn't interested. Seem to yeah. care. He was just like, take whatever you want. It was,
3: it was, it was troubling. Can I tell you why? Like real quick, like when you, there's not a lot of great games outside of the ones we just discussed, the, the Island games. And, I can look at one or two and say I want that, but like everyone in the office is going to be watching that game, so it's like it's not a singular experience. I enjoy the community aspect of it too, but it's more just like Dan. Wa- Dan was <laughs> like, oh, "Wow, I want to like I have an eye- my eye on something. It's like take it. I don't want my okay, eye on being any of these games. You're a guy. nice friend. You're being I, a nice friend. You're act. right. You're right, though, that in terms of how the tr- the draft or the trade works, I have no idea where I'm picking and don't remember any of it. It so. sets it's,
2: it sets you up well um, in terms of no one's ever had three picks in the first six overall. So if you have a game plan here, it's really gonna come through. I think through. it's what Sashi Brown would do. Uh, that was the developing news out of the Chris Wrestling Podcast Studio.
4: It was like it was like Belichick when he traded the second round pick for Sanu. Hey, whatever. Just take whatever you want. Just
2: take we'll whatever secreting. you want. It, how
4: happy I am on Sunday is determines how well the
3: trade was. Okay. Okay. We will see.
2: All right. So with the first overall pick in the Week 15 around the NFL Podcast Draft, I will. Uh, take the Pittsburgh Steelers at home against the Tennessee Titans. Mm. (laughs) Um, Listen, the Steelers are interesting. We were just talking about the Vikings. I don't know if the Steelers are interesting, but as I said it on the Thursday pod. They're kind of like a zombie that doesn't know it's dead. It's staggering around. No one's no one's pulled off the kill shot yet. You know, everyone knows classic zombie. Got to do a shot to the head. Or it's going to keep coming. Right. Follow the rules, please. Yeah. No one's put the shot in the head yet. And the Titans, could they be that team? Titans fans all fired up. We're nine and four. We swept the Colts. Why are the Colts eight in the power rankings and we're 12? Because you haven't been a good team for weeks. Because you won for the first time in a month uh, last week against the Jaguars. And that's not your fault. You're playing your schedule. But I don't have to be impressed with nine and four when you see how limited this team continues to be on the offensive side of the ball. Now, is that selling them short in terms of what they bring uh, as a whole? Yes, but this is also an offensive league right now. And the fact that they struggle to score points week after week after after week matters to me. Mm -hmm. I know it was a positive um, Sunday because you got the positive Derrick Henry news. You got Julio Jones back. You got the win. Um, But at the same time, do I think they're going to win in Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh in a desperate situation? I don't. You don't. You I You think the Steelers
4: will win. I think the Steelers win this game. It's a tough one. It's a real test of like the Mike Vrabel magic, kind of what he does well. They've been greater than the sum of their parts. Defensively, I think they come up. They're a good game plan team. They're very different every week. That's how they can have a game like the one they had against the Rams. And you would think that they'd be able to expose some of the Pittsburgh offensive problems like Mike Zimmer did. A week ago, but man are they slow on offense. Julio doesn't have that juice. The running you know, the running game was back a little last week, but they're they're just so slow. It's just like two really slow teams. I have no idea who's gonna win this game, but man, I love that under. Like I just don't think oh, either the under. I just don't think either of these teams <laughs> is, the under. is getting over sixteen points. I just don't. I think if it
3: happens, it's it would have to look a little bit like last week, where you get a lot of contributions from the defense. I mean, they, that game was twenty to nothing; it felt like sixty to nothing, and they got just enough from their offense. Guys like Donta Foreman, and I mean, it's just, it's. It's a preseason roster trying to cobble by, and Julio Jones is not saving them from what I saw.
2: So, Gravedigger, um, obviously Gravedigger, Titans Film Room, check out his podcast. This guy knows his stuff with Tennessee. Certainly knows more about the team than I do. So, tell me what I'm missing when I kind of disregard your team on some level.
6: Well, I, I don't know what you're necessarily missing. I'd like to just say to all Titans fans on Twitter, there's no need to come after Dan for his... Oh, they could bring it. For they don't scare me. ...power rankings.
3: <laughs> what about the the BTS fan base? Somebody... They, they also have been coming to <laughs> Dan's Dan. Dan's a little worried
6: about that. that that's yeah. a little I different. Don't know if <laughs> I that's, have...
2: a, that's actually an army.
6: I don't know yeah. if I have any sway over over what
2: they I think do. But a very in a nice way, because is a really nice guy, um replied to something Titans related on uh, Twitter that I, I posted yesterday. And then some other Titans fan rolled in right behind Gravedigger and was just like, "F you, Dan. <laughs> it's like, oh, all right. Nice knowing you. Anyway, Gravedigger. But do you like like the Julio Jones coming back? That's fine. But you kind of need AJ Brown. What else does this team need, do you think, to get back to where a team that really could go up against anybody in the AFC?
6: Yeah, I think getting Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown back will obviously that be huge. I don't know if it's necessarily that simple because I, I'm still concerned watching the Titans about the pass protection. It feels like their O-line has stunk all year. Yeah, yeah. And
3: Tannehill is taking, and this happened last year, but it would be when he'd connect on like a 45-yard bomb. He's just getting harassed a, back he there. He's a tough dude. Yeah, he is. Tannehill he is does tough. not get well, enough that's credit. That's why they love him. They opinions, love him yeah. in that locker room because of that. But
6: the the offensive line, the disparity between run blocking and pass blocking is really just astounding hmm. to me because they run block very well. But then they can't pass protect. It's like one person loses a one on one matchup or they leave a tight end with the opponent's best pass rusher for some reason. And he gets beat one on one. And like Julio Jones was wide open down the field on. I think it was a like a post corner kind of fake out route. And Tannehill could have hit him. But he was immediately under pressure and sacked mm. on the play, and so that explosive's gone. So the mm. offense is not producing
4: explosive plays at all. But that matches up well with the Steelers' defense, because they they have struggled against the run uh, for a right. while. We saw the Vikings light them up, and I, there is something about this Titans team, and I, I think it it's some sort of similar DNA that Vrabel is a good coach. You can't exactly see exactly why, but they are greater. Uh, then there's some other parts, and they've been motivated all year. Ever since uh, Urban Meyer, you know, came onto our show uh, early in the season and just totally dismissed the Titans before the year. The Titans are three offensive players in Mike Vrabel's haircut.
6: I
1: mean, oh. well, see, that's Whoa.
6: you know, he did not do his homework. I guess that's why Vrabel didn't shake his hand after the game. So on that Saturday. makes sense.
2: How unlikable we should. I mean, Urban Meyer, totally unlikable dude. Uh, one yeah. last thing before we uh, move on or have any other Steelers conversation. Got any plans this weekend, Justin? Let's go. I'm moving tomorrow. Ice skating in the park.
6: I'm moving apartments tomorrow, so that's a huge plan. And
3: get any help on that move?
6: Um, or to,
3: to whose apartment?
2: Are you christening the new
3: place?
6: <laughs> I I probably will have have a friend over tomorrow. Yes, but here's. Can I say something about this? I've been thinking a lot about this. Okay. I feel like she would not like it if I continued to talk about this on yeah, the show. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Stunner. And I Shut think up, Greg. just like being a being, I want to be a good person, and uh, I want to like feel good about myself. Uh, and I apologize to the Reddit audience who's very invested in this story. I will give you guys an update. I mean, update. they're not
4: more invested than the host of our show, who just clapped like a six-year-old, <laughs> so excited when he heard the
2: news.
6: We just we're just hanging out. We're just friends. And if that changes,
2: I will update you. You know what? I you know what? I respect you as a man. I'm disappointed as a podcast host <laughs> uh, because I wanted to have every step of this relationship documented. And now I have regrets that I come on too strong in terms of getting information out of. Justin. You have the regrets. Yeah.
3: I mean, I think there's more. Wait, I do hope you provide a, an update in time if you are allowed, because it still feels very mysterious to me um, and alluring. I will, I will provide Mark an update. Mark needs this, too. You know. As soon yeah, you as an update off, happens. Off air. And I'll off tell you guys more details off air. How about that?
6: All right, good. <laughs> I geez. also
3: did tell you, by the way, on our TNF recap, that the Steelers were impregnated by the ba- with a baby of Satan. So good luck to you and enjoying seeing how that goes for them. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> Don't you recall that? I, I do vaguely recall, but I do want to just say, now that it's officially hit his music, by the way, um, he said we can't talk anymore about it. At least until he brings it up again. But you did catch that let us little nug. She's coming over this weekend. Well, he said a friend, but And do you see the way I set it up is anybody you know, you're christening the apartment. Mm-hmm. Well, she is coming over. Just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean I feel like we're talking
3: about it again, but
2: <laughs> No, no but that was his information. So I was just We're going out with a bang, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so is he Alright, let's um... Oh Steelers, we got that. Let's move on. We got to keep moving. Yeah. There's too many games. All right, uh, up next in the draft. Now again, this is a little funky now because that huge trade that went down. Uh, Greg, you remain locked into that second very, overall
4: spot. Very strange. Um, you you did take the game I was going to take. You yes. You took the Romo game, so I will give you uh, yes. kudos to that. I'm going to take the Rams Seahawks in the oh, late yeah, Greg. afternoon. <laughs> oh. See, I guess I took Mark's pick here. You, you did have the number one overall pick, and you provided no resistance. The
2: good news is you you do have three, four, and six.
4: <laughs> I, I I I'm redoing the draft board as we speak. So I mean, you had an opportunity to uh, to hold on to that pick. It's a huge game because it it knocks the Seahawks out in my mind, and re- in reality, if they lose this game, it's a lot for the Rams to overcome in terms of their COVID um situation we don't know if players like Jalen Ramsey will be back that missed Monday night's game but we do know a lot more Rams players went on the COVID list throughout the week two of their safeties including Jordan Fuller who's their defensive captain and Odell Beckham so that's a lot to overcome but we found out on Thursday that Tyler Lockett's out for this game and Alex Collins who's not a big factor is is also out and I was thinking of this kind of as is division battle, it's a, it's a last stand for Seattle, it's the Rams trying to solidify and show that they're going to the finish line kind of like the Bucks were uh, a year ago, and it was really all about Russ lock it in DK. Cause the rest of the Seahawks team, is just not special. It's not special, but they got enough coaching and enough, like okay enough rotational play that if those three dudes just come out and ball out against the Rams defense, I'm not convinced is amazing. Especially not with the people they're missing. Like you can go win that game. And now without Lockett, uh, once again, COVID, uh, Annoying. hurting our Sundays. It really is. And much it, more. It, it's like we just found that out
3: before.
2: <laughs> I think you are going to cover yourself there. I'm just saying, it's like,
4: like. I cannot be
2: flippant about COVID. No,
4: it's not that. I also am confused, too, because I thought they were only testing um, vaccinated guys on Monday. So that's why there's this, like, deluge of, you know, positive results Monday mm-hmm. and Tuesday. But who Like knows? we know
3: Lockett is Who vaccinated? knows? I guess
4: I don't know that. Anyway. I'm, I'm trying to think of a team
3: that um, has come off a win this year. That did more for their image, and I don't. I'm not saying that it, that it's hollow. It's totally tangible and real. But the but people, I mean, listening just to other people talking radio in general, like the in L, here in L A, like the the vibe around the Rams is suddenly so incredibly positive that um, this COVID thing really is the only thing that could that could downgrade it to some degree. I mean, what they did to the Cardinals, we talked about it. But if you're gonna get games like that down the stretch, where Matthew Stafford is as comfortable as he, as he's been in a Rams outfit, and you've got your stars playing the way they played against an excellent team in Arizona. They appear relatively unstoppable, and I never I was going to lock this thing up for the Rams. I moved off it just because I, of the shaky COVID thing, but I, I can't think of too many more teams. I have faith in handling their business. Down the stretch, I just have come. That's a pretty quick turn. It is a quick turn because I've come. Is this because
4: Kara Henderson tweeted at you that she didn't like all the negative Uh-oh. things that were going well, on? Well, no, she's Rams?
3: annoyed with me. Um, but but even don't yeah. let
2: that change your viewpoint. No, it on isn't football, because
4: though. even
3: even it um, that came after I said something positive about Aaron Donald. Like she Kara said, Kara Henderson,
2: by the way, is the wife of mm. the Rams general manager Les Snead, and she's also a former colleague of ours and a very nice woman, a wonderful person, uh, and just I'm wondering if. Your comments right now are directly tied to that.
3: No, I think like, I was going to lock up the Rams because I, I have no faith in the Seahawks. I think that we're cooking up this narrative that they're still alive. Well, Because they are. It's not a narrative. They're, they're I, alive if they win this game.
4: This is a tough place to go win. But if well, they I win don't this take game, them seriously if they win this game with 16
3: players on the Rams' but COVID if they list, win this but,
4: game, they're scheduled the next two weeks, two very winnable games before they play the Cardinals in Week 18. I think if they win this game, they get to Week 18 with a chance to make. the Does
3: playoffs. it not? I mean, but I guess where I just I'm ready just to say, like I do for some of these teams, like go, then go do it. But it's like I'm not yeah. caught up on the mathematical. They got to do it. You know, they got to
4: do it. But they beat the 49ers. This has been a terrible matchup for Pete Carroll versus Sean McVay. Sean McVay's owned him in general. So it would say a lot if they could go this is in this their game se- without Lockett,
2: too. This is their season this is for it. Seattle because yeah. and not having Lockett, he's so important to what they do. And there's it's been a very uh, up and down season, to say the least, uh, for DK Metcalf. He's banged up, I believe, as well on top of it. But him and Russell Wilson have not been able to get on the same page uh, Wilson, I don't know if you guys notice and you're watching that game um, on uh, Sunday, repeatedly feeding Metcalf, And, you know, there's there's a human element to this. Like he knows it's been a frustrating season for his most talented wide receiver, you could argue. So he's trying to get him that touchdown force and throws, and he just still couldn't make it happen. I think he had 12 targets um, in the yeah. game. Um, but uh, if Seattle loses this game, good, goodbye. You're five and nine. But yeah, if they find a way to win, this is there's a very decent chance they are playing for a playoff spot in week 18, which no one would have predicted. Rams just got to take care of business. And Aaron Donald, we talked about it, how the way he took over that Monday night game in a game they desperately needed to change the vibe of their season. I got a feeling he could kind of just snowball right into just kicking the crap out of the Seattle offensive line and making life hell for Russell Wilson. Can't you see Wilson yeah. running for his life and and taken down a couple times by the Donald Rams in this game? have
3: dominated the Russell Wilson Seahawks. largely because of Aaron Donald. Yeah, and and even before Sean McVay was there. So there's something to that.
2: All right. Up next in the draft, there he is with his first pick (laughs) as a result of that blockbuster trade, Mark Sessler.
3: Well, I love what I've gotten here. I'm going Atlanta at San Francisco in that late-game slot. I know Greg wrinkled his nose. He doesn't like that game. But you know what? (laughs) I like the two games prior, too. So I'm I'm taking what I can. I buy it because you've been –
2: Pushing the Atlanta Matters narrative, and, and you San love Francisco, your Niners. Yeah. And San yeah.
3: Francisco. The Atlanta Matters narrative, like this to me, i trying to find a way to better describe these two teams. The 7-6 and six Niners are eighth in Team DVOA. The 6-7 and seven Falcons, who keep hanging around, are dead last. And, Negative and they,
4: 108 point difference. <laughs> they just look like it a lot, and
3: then sometimes they don't because it's like they're also a team that's 5-2 and two on the road and have they were winless at home. Their running game has improved over the last couple of weeks. Three straight 100-plus games on the ground. We saw them, you know, affect that Tampa game, Tampa Bay game that way. Uh, they're getting a little bit. They're getting a few more plays on defense in terms of some pick sixes and stuff. So they're just a strange team. And Arthur Smith did have this warning for the rest of the league that Dean Pease.
2: Ooh, Artie's got a warning. to a warning. Tell the rest of football.
3: Dean Pease hasn't even scratched the surface. He said of what he's going to install here. I'm not sure when we're installing uh, said stuff. Maybe that's in the offseason. But <laughs> I don't know how you slow down the Niners if you get the version of George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. I would like to see Bre- Samuel used a little bit more in the, in the passing game. They've kind of gone away from that. But there's your three dudes. And if you get the mistake-free version of Jimmy, or at least keep it to a low... They can take care of business I, here and I stay trust alive.
2: Dean Pease is a great defensive coach. He is.
4: He, I think they've been a really well-coached team. I guess that's why we've enjoyed them. I think they've maximized what they can getting to six and seven. Russell Gage is suddenly a really good, you know, fantasy players know this, but, like, a really good slot receiver. I don't think it's that fluky, but they've built an offense out of Matt Ryan, who is, I got to admit, even though I, I enjoy what he's doing every week and I I appreciate like his moxie. He is getting close to that Chad Pennington Peyton Manning line where the lack of arm strength is almost too much to overcome. Yeah. They're 6 and 4 in their last 10 games. They they bounce back after that 0 and 3 start, but the 49ers have been rather consistent now for 5 weeks. It's it it's a hard matchup to imagine that the offensive line especially
2: for San Francisco just doesn't mow them over. And I I'm with you Mark and I say this also as a Debo Samuel fantasy owner. A little weird that they're he was like breaking every receiving mark. He was ahead of Jerry Rice pace uh, for the first like nine weeks of the year as a wide receiver. And it's almost like now he's been he had one catch last week. And yeah, he's, he's been, been moved into out that of
3: that part of the game.
2: And may I don't know, I guess it's a little surprising that he's not more of a hybrid. And now he's being used primarily as a running back. I think maybe health issues in the backfield uh, play a role in that for sure. But um yeah, I just want to see what Kittle does. George Kittle and he's banged up again and that's just part of the thing with Kittle as long as you can keep him healthy and upright he's going to change game plans because he became the first tight end ever to have back to back 150 yard games wow. with a touchdown
4: yeah. and that in the best play i think in those two games was that maybe not the best cuz man he had a lot of ones. but that third and 5 play to keep the drive going in overtime i think it was the play right before Ayuk's touchdown where Jimmy G hit it into a tiny window Jimmy G who had a sub, you know, a below-average game, even for Jimmy G, until overtime, had one of the best drives of his career, doing things he doesn't normally do, hitting a throw outside the numbers to the outside, hitting that third and five to Kittle into the smallest window possible, and then they get the game-winner with Ayuk. That was an awesome moment, I think, for the 49ers. I think they keep rolling and are, are quite dangerous. I mean, Jimmy G also had a near-pick
3: in overtime that would have changed everything we're saying about Jimmy G Wasn't, yeah, this week. Regulation,
2: I think. that That's, Right, right end before, of regulation. yeah. 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 That sport. What's All right, let's take a break and then we'll be back.
7: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
2: All right, here we go. Mark, s- 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 slithers to you. I got another game I want.
3: I'm beyond critique. I am going Cardinals at spin, Lions. Spin, baby, spin. I don't need to spin anything. Hey, That's you just get the Lions the in the first round. No, you got to do it. I am getting the Cardinals a in the first team. round because you know what I want to see is like the other thing is like oh are the Cardinals able to can when the oh when you'll the, learn when a the, lot
2: about the Cardinals this week
3: well when the no but when the lights are too bright like you know Kyler Murray and the Cardinals can't hang around well you know what like they did not get blown out on Monday night by the way just an information factoid for you there if that's what you think hey uh, just take
2: the just take what? the L you had them locked up and they didn't show up in a big spot that's all nobody thinks they stink you know it just, I don't know. <laughs> I locked them up on a big. <laughs> I in their know biggest two think. games,
3: we
4: each locked them up, and they lost both. They I don't lost know what Packers. people think.
3: Yeah, T.J. Hawkinson <laughs> out. Like the Lions, you know, they've been. They've. I don't say this like in a. They've been cute in a way where I respect them. Like they've. They hang around sure. in these games. But But uh, i one concern for Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins, we learned in between shows, is going to have knee surgery. He's going to miss it like at least the regular season, and we'll see. James Conner's a little banged up, but this team, to me, has bounced back as as well as anyone off of the few losses they've had, and I I think it's a week for Kyler Murray to say, put me back in that MVP race. I I,
2: had one bad game, just like every other quarterback out there. I like the Cardinals, not as much as you, Mark. I like them, but I think the Hopkins thing is big, and I know he came back. He missed a bunch of weeks, and when he came back, he wasn't really the same guy, but now that we know that he's not even going to be there at all, I think – it it moves everybody up in the pecking order. And I think, for instance, a guy like A.J. Green or a guy like Rondell Moore, like these are all guys like in their spots, they were thriving. But if you ask them to be something they're not at this stage of their career, it could lead to more issues for the offense. So I was hyper impressed by James Conner. I can't believe how good that guy's been this year. So he's going to continue to be an important thing and helping Kyler Murray. But removing his number one wide receiver Mm. from the mix, I think it's going to, cost them games and cost them the number one it, seed. It,
3: I do think that Zach Ertz, though, you know, when he was there mostly through I like Murray's Ertz. injury, that was another nice Steve Kime addition who's quietly well, done an job. Awesome this is their job. last
4: just, like, layup. They have the Colts the at Dallas and then the Seahawks just because it's a division game and everything, that that's difficult. I think they've got some big problems in terms of their interior offensive line in general. This is not the week for it. Shout out, though, to uh, Craig Reynolds last week. coming yeah, buddy. Coming off the practice squad and running pretty well. It was like a depressing Monday transaction when I saw they put him back on the tra- practice squad. I was like, he was your best player on Monday. That's not nice. Yeah, Bring I wonder, back Craig.
2: Deandre, DeAndre Swift, he's been a breakout <laughs> guy for them. What do you get from playing him at this point? Let's stay in that right. number Hawk one pick, right? Yeah.
4: I, I know we, we should move, and we we will quickly. But the 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 Lions have forty eight million dollars of their salary cap on injured reserve, and sixty five million dollars in dead cap money. They they are like trotting out a team that is essentially free. Like,
2: hmm. that, <laughs> it's yeah, like insane. that's that's tough for It's a hundred million dollars. All right, uh, Greg. The draft moves to you, and guess what? Mark Sessler's on deck.
3: This is historic. That's how this works. I think this, you know, history will smile on what's happened here.
2: We will find out Sunday night.
3: Okay,
4: I will not be thrilled about these early games here. I still need my number one pick. Shook's in the mix. This is annoying. (laughs) It's not Shook's fault. The way that you phrase that. Big Ben, what do you think
2: about where uh, Greg is right now as he really struggles to pick?
4: Well, I'm trying not to take Shook's game so that there's not too much uh, carryover. I'll take the Cowboys-Giants just to watch uh, the Cowboys the again. H. This NFC East round robin is uh, ugly. It's the division that is playing each other the most down the stretch.
2: Hey, nobody gets on a plate.
4: Okay. Why did I take this game? Um, you can back out. You can back honest. out. We'll no, back it's, out. Fine. All right, it's fine. Or I could trade you for it. Don't do it. I could just pick the same game as Shook would be fine uh, because someone's going to have to anyways now I realize. But (laughs) this this Giants team is – Dead on arrival. And that really, like, if you think about the way this season's set up, for whatever reason, all the divisions are backloaded, but the NFC East is by far the most. All of their, like, the Eagles and Washington, basically all four of these teams is almost all in the division down the stretch, and that's perfect for Dallas because this Giants Mm -hmm. and Washington teams are are hurting right Mm -hmm. now. And the Dallas defensive line can win games by themselves. I think their defense with Gregory and Gallimore and Lawrence all back to compliment. Parsons is just like next level. And the whole next month for the Cowboys is about finding what is right again about
2: their offense, because it's just not right. right The Giants are the perfect opponent in the first half last week uh, here in Los Angeles, where the Giants got waxed by the Chargers. Justin Herbert and their offense rolled up 289 yards, 18 first downs and 24 points in the first two quarters. Um, If the Cowboys don't do the same thing, you really have to maybe go up a level in terms of your panic level about what's going on with the quarterback and the offense. Zeke Elliott says he feels much better. And we'll see if that translates to him being an actual high end running back again. Uh, But I really do. It's gotten to the point now where it's like I feel confident the Cowboys will get the 10 wins and win that division. But for me to see them as a real Super Bowl contender again, the offense has to come to life.
3: Yeah, because as much as the Dan Quinn defense um, has evolved into something kind of terrifying, which I think is an incredible development for Dallas. Like it's the offense that we believe taking them deep into wherever they go. I mean, I don't love that like Tyron Smith is dealing with an ankle right He's now. Out. He's out. Tony Pollard is banged up. I mean, so you're going to have to just get through some of that stuff, but they've not been if you look at Dak's splits with and without Tyron Smith, um, they're alarming. So but They've been, like the funny the thing is like
4: they've been fairly healthy. I, I, know I don't Cowboys, know. He
3: missed he missed like he didn't have a Mario for a wins, game. We'll, right, we'll point out Is like he oh healthy.
4: you missed two or three games here, two games here. I'm just saying compared to the average team out there, there's been so many injuries, so many good offensive teams, like Arizona, for instance, have withstood bigger injuries or bigger swaths of the line gone, and they've looked better. Dak has definitely not been the same. I do wonder if like we over, we We overrate the first month of the season because it's a first impression. When really, you know, smart guys like Steve Weiss pointed out to us, like, defenses are... Just catching up, like the league is totally different in that first month. There's no preseason really anymore. We're still kind of stuck on this idea that it's that the that the Chiefs' defense, for instance, feels flukier because they were so bad for that first month. But it's like, no, this is the time that matters, and they've been great for two months when it matters. The reality is the Cowboys have been mediocre for two months offensively, and that the. The names, they're big names, but they just
2: haven't been great for such a long time.
4: Well, it's like three or four seasons packed into one, and this is
3: a different team than we were dealing with in September.
2: All right. Let us move on. We are back to Mark Sessler.
3: Well, I also don't want to – I like Shook to have his own game so that he can come on and do his Shook thing. So I'm going to go with a game that um, along with maybe 12 other Americans I'll be watching, it will be Houston at Jacksonville. Thirteen of us will be. Now this is how would, you, I, that was what
4: I was going to well, take because I, I just I there's not much, the there's not much out there, game. and
3: I'm not doing the double late game. I like to have my days start to get less convoluted at that point. Thank okay. you very much. Um, I, I mean, it is a fascinating game in the sense that, <laughs> for the first time all season, um, the Houston Texans, which have been a uh, a as low a Q rating operation as you can find, can stick can look across the the field and say, look at us, we're functional. Because that's how you feel compared to the Jaguars. And I just want to see how the Jaguars players respond because I know, Greg, you're big on this too. Like when you go from coach gets canned, and in this case, it's not like we were really fighting for this guy, Um, but now, uh, you know, we're dropped off into abyss. It's like that locker room is probably on fire and thrilled with what's happened. And maybe you get a spicy version of the Jaguars because all I would say is their defense, especially, has been good in a couple games. They've shown things. I have nothing else to say about this game other than that, and I may say nothing about it on Sunday night, depending on what happens.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a game between 2-2 and 11 teams. It does have, obviously, uh, draft ramifications. But most importantly, I want to say that weather can be an issue in this game. And you might want to get out your umbrellas Uh because Greg has already called it the Rainmaker said, get your money. What is with this terrible picture? Get your money out and get behind the Houston Texans. Do you still feel that way? Does the Rainmaker, Greg, still feel like the Texans are the team?
4: I mean, I would not have been as excited about it if I knew that they were getting rid of Urban Meyer because
2: Urban Meyer monster behind the misery. (laughs) This is ridiculous. I mean, this is if you haven't watched our YouTube show, and I'm sure Ricky will make this a social component. Right, the, the graphic that we have celebrating the Rainmakers' return to the show is just. And I look like a
4: jackass because I'm texting while this thing starts, but it's only because my computer's not working right now, and I was sending a message <laughs> to Ricky. It was part of the job. This picture is <laughs> terrible. Everything's terrible. I thought it was one of my favorite pictures well possible um, when it was Texans plus three and a half, and Urban Meyer was coaching. They've scored, you know. Trevor Lawrence has thrown for one touchdown since the bye week. That was seven weeks ago. Oh my god. Uh but I really do kind of believe in the dead coach bounce. Uh it, like it's it's Spice Rack's favorite thing. If you look back last year, Daryl Bevel. It's your
2: new Twitter avatar, by the way.
4: <laughs> Daryl Bevel. Remember when he took over last year? remember Daryl Last yep. year for Matt Patricia. You know. Darryl. You know what happened in his first game?
2: He won. Victory. He won. Yeah. They didn't
4: win for the rest of the season, but he won. Do you remember who the Houston Texans' yeah. interim head coach was last year, Mark?
3: Not at all. Because I don't. I don't remember anything from last year. The Texans' interim coach. When they
4: fired Bill O'Brien. Oh, it was uh, Romeo Cornell. That's right. Yeah. Um, <gasps> You I know, feel like Romeo Cornell has been know, an interim won, coach like six You know who won times. his first game last year? As Romeo. Said, Romeo did. And then they didn't win a game the rest of the season. It, right. is, it is kind of wild. So, so the Rainmaker's so, moving off it. I'm going to just stick with it at this point. Cause, oh, yeah. Because uh, it's too late. But I don't feel – I wouldn't have gone. You know what's funny, though? There's so many people that believe in the dead coach bounce.
2: So the Rainmaker's going against it.
4: That – the line actually moved up. The Jaguars were three-and-a-half-point favorites. Now they're five-point favorites. So people think that Urban Meyer is worth negative one-and-a-half points. I think that's a t- – in this specific case, that feels super <laughs> legit. It's kind of amazing. So hopefully you, you didn't do it right away, and you can get all five of those points. You know,
2: take My it. favorite bounce, I'll though, still is the uh, Spice Rack Social Disharmony bounce. That one I really like. <laughs> What does that true. posit? It <laughs> just
4: feels that you know, the point the point is I locked it in last Sunday, so it was too late. You already put your money down. What right. are you gonna do? This is you like, like the it?
5: sixth iteration of this graphic that was made and a text text from Dan that I got yesterday was, You see what I'm going for, question mark? Just a monster and then another text. Something that wants to die but cannot <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Look, see him? Like is that look
2: how the money like he vomits all the cash like it's like, kill me. I don't know where this
4: picture Please. came from. But oh, it came from you sitting on the uh, NFL now well, set. I, I understand it's that. It's the tie right? in glasses. But who who <laughs> took it and why am I frowning in the. Free... I think it was a All screen I know grab. Is that, yeah. Erica believes yeah. it's the worst picture I've ever taken. And that's why she's using it. It's not the best. Seventy
2: five times since. And our guy behind the scenes, Drake, who kills it on the video side, he. Uh, Put in a lot of work on that. Yeah. Something not that you're a monster, Greg, but I wanted the thing that was created here to be a monster that wants to die, but cannot.
4: Well, you, it, know all you do is make money. You know, the Rainmaker or at least the game picks uh, column 12 and two last week, 20 over against the spread for the year. So that's solid, <laughs> especially solid.
2: this year. Well done, Greg. All right. Let's move on, Mark. You just did your pick. Is it back to the Zeus? It's back to you. Back to the Zusa! All right, I will grab a late game here. Um, Wait. Packers at Ravens is available? That's essentially like the Tom
3: Brady in this draft, sort of just sitting what? there. I don't know what Greg was doing. <laughs>
4: what a steal! Well, I had what? a late game oh. that I preferred.
2: How is that still there?
4: Because Mark's strange. No, because I am... I took I don't a late need- game already. And then you leave. The, you're not going to take the two best yes. late games, so it's all on Mark. Right. But you I don't. You're mine. the
3: only one that wants it, so I, I guess it's yeah. But a, you whoa. took Houston,
4: Jacksonville over Lamar Jackson.
2: Hopefully, I don't need Aaron to see. Rogers. There is there is personal taste involved. That is the the greatest steal in the history per of this you. draft. Per you, no. Well, no, I agree. So that's a, a majority. steal. A
3: steal would be like had I wanted it and you stole it from me. No, I'm i uh, I'm the
4: tiebreaker. Dan's right.
3: Wow. But then it, then and you stole it from Greg, though, because Greg just
4: simply didn't see that it was sitting out there. No, I had a late game. So I had the other best late I game. I have a late that game, I preferred, too. But hey, just, just give it to me. It was a great steal. I didn't try for it. I whiffed on it. I am it. just saying this draft otherwise has gone exactly as I hoped it I would. I whiffed on it. Right. You're like the yeah. Seattle Seahawks being like, hey, we wanted to take uh, that guy <laughs> you've never heard of with the. 29th pick. Like, that's what we want. That's, that's like, exactly that's right. That's great. Right. And then that player does not is inactive in his Whoa. second season. I mean, I am going to it's be like sitting L's three, three feet away from
3: Dan, <laughs> listening to him shout about this game the entire time anyways. So I will be watching it.
2: <laughs> what is the difference? You had the thre- three, four, and six. Right. He and I still picks. come out of it with the game of the week. So Packers at Ravens. Whoa. I and, should have taken that. And here that's we are right. now. That was that, a mistake. I'm surprised, Greg. I'm surprised. I, it is on Greg. Um, the Green Bay Packers playing awesome football right now. So fun, Greg. You you kind of you nailed the uh, initial analysis last week that, hey, you had your chance. You had your chance to get the Packers when they were a team that was going to win most of their games, but you know you would basically be within a score at any point, and you make a play, make a play there, make a play here. You could steal win against Green Bay, but now it's different. Now you have a top ten defense. Uh, for Green Bay with the best quarterback in the world back at his on his MVP game. So you could put those two things together. That's why they're number one in the power rankings. That's why they're 10 and three. And that's why I think Baltimore is in a lot of trouble, even if they have Lamar Jackson. And he was supposed to practice on Thursday and did not like they were hopeful that he was going to practice today, Thursday. He did not. So now you have to wonder about Jackson's availability on that ankle. They said it's not a high ankle sprain, but they lie. They always lie.
3: Greg Roman said it was going to go down to the wire. I kind of liked Tyler Huntley last week for as little as he's had a chance to play. He was – I mean, it is a massive downgrade. Yeah. It's just that – He was great. He's, he's, he is – like, uh, you don't want him s- mean, starting the rest I mean, he scored more the points year. per
4: drive than Baker did in that game. They were moving the but ball. But that's a separate argument. I'm right.
3: comparing him to Lamar, not Baker Mayfield. Give me a break. But, like – the I, my concern for either quarterback is the tackle play for Baltimore right now. It's been bad. I mean, it's caused issues for Lamar and it caused issues for Tyler Huntley a so, week ago. And you got a good pass rush coming in.
2: I read something this morning, great piece in the Ringer by Steven Ruiz uh, about why why can't the Ravens shake out of this offensive slide? And the basic conceit of it was maybe it's Greg Roman's fault. Maybe this this run heavy scheme where they load up. Uh, with a fullback and they only have two wide receivers on the field. It puts Lamar into really bad situations where defense can defenses load up the boxes at uh, the box and they don't ever get burned on it because they don't have a scheme that allows them to attack uh, in the passing game because of the way they run their offense. Now, the one thing, and again, I thought it was a really good piece. The one thing that I, I noticed was curiously missing was any, any talk about, well, is the reason why they have not moved away from the scheme is that they don't think that Lamar can run a traditional closer to a pro style passing offense. Is that something that the reason Baltimore has been slow to move off that isn't because of being stubborn, but because they don't think that's the best use of Lamar. My my point on this though, ultimately is they should they need to try to mix things up with their structure. Maybe they can't, but they have the, they have the weapons. They have Hollywood Brown, they have Sammy Watkins, they have Rashad Bateman, they have Mark Andrews. When are they going to open this thing up? Is it not that easy in the middle of the season? But if it is something where it's an adjustment that can be made, it's now time to do it because we've seen enough for this offense where it ain't working.
3: I but I would just say their pass protection has been a massive issue. Like, I mean, I don't know what you're suggesting they do. Throw the ball another 15 times a game, but like that's people have been stymieing. It's not just throwing the the ball, it's
2: the formations that they're throwing the ball out of. They're they still
4: kind of look like a power running team, which is ultimately reliant on Lamar's athleticism. Yeah, they often allow the unblocked rusher to get through, and you, hey, Lamar, go beat him. And we've got advantages in terms of the numbers. That that is that would be tough to reshape in the middle of the season, especially they lost their right tackle, Patrick McCarry, who who had been playing really well. I kind of came into the week thinking, like, man, if ever there was, like, a spot, it's a non-conference game, the Packers are on the road, it's like they're flying high. Like, if ever there was a spot for, like, an organizational surprise, like the Ravens stand up and, like, get an upset, like, it just felt like that sort of moment, and Lamar has this great game, but his injury has me worried. And, Mark, you mentioned the Packers' pass rush. It's been so good. Without like without Zadarius Smith, it's so good right now. So that matchup and then you think of the matchups on the outside when Aaron Rodgers has the ball, the starting cornerbacks for Baltimore are Anthony Averett and, and Chris Westry. And I I think like we're so used to the Ravens losing players that Humphrey was just like another one to lose, but that's where we talk about clusters again. Humphrey and Peters now. You had these two great cornerbacks. Now you have zero great cornerbacks uh, and a team that's like relying on blitzing. It's just a lot going wrong. It would be inc- like one of the best wins of John Arbaugh's career that, if they could win this game. That
3: part of it, I think, fries Baltimore. I mean, they're the 31st ranked pass defense, and a lot of it has to do with just lack of availability of who they went into the season with. That stealing a game would matter. I mean, the rest of Baltimore's schedule. I know that they're sitting atop the division, but at Cincinnati,
4: versus the Rams, and then versus Pittsburgh. Oh, the sky's falling there. Baltimore fans and radio that if I, like they're not convinced that this Ravens team is going to necessarily make the playoffs. I also think with the Greg Roman thing a little bit. That's who Greg Roman
3: has been. Like they went through this whole metamorphosis to shape it around Lamar, and I think. With the players that they have out, like to go shift to something completely different. I'm not sure they have the
4: right well, that's another, people in there to do that. It's another thing when you look back. Did we, over? you know, at this point, I, I've been holding on maybe too long to those first five weeks because they were different. They were a vertical passing game. And you, you mentioned more of a pro style, a little more conventional, Dan. I, I, I see that. But he is a pocket quarterback. Like they could do that. I don't know if you can do that in the middle of the season. Like most of his success as a quarterback has been from the pocket.
2: Like that. And he he played in college at Louisville in a, the a, a passing uh, offense. So you know we keep on hearing about this cover two shell um, <laughs> that's shutting down Kansas City and Buffalo. Um, the cover two invert is what you got to keep an eye on. That's killing the Ravens. Uh, it's very interesting like the way but the the basic thing is like where you drop the two cornerbacks back and then you have the safeties and everybody's just like crowding up and there's just no space to operate for Baltimore and it's interesting because they're running with the fullback there with the running back there and it's all set up for the running game but because they've revealed like kind of who they are it's always crowded down there and that's why we're not seeing any of that like Lamar Jackson's like big running great, plays anymore.
4: They're a great coaching staff, but great coaching staffs need to adjust. And maybe it's just too hard with all these injuries and it just wasn't going to happen. They are a good example. I believe that hey, it's like uh running backs do matter. Um to the point that you that you need to have like in an offense like this, there's a reason why they kept draft why they drafted JK Dobbins, Dobbins that you know, high. Mark Ingram a couple years ago was perfect for I them. I really do think that the drop off at running back has really been significant for them that it's really hurt them.
2: Mark. Cover to invert.
4: I want you to. <laughs> I mean, I know all break about it, that so. down a little more, Dan.
2: Well, usually you have the two safeties deep. OK. In this defense, you have the corners deep. deep so they take yeah. care of anybody on the jets and you send the safeties into the flat or you either picture that on running the run, game. They're a little or better. You Send them into the flat and they're more sure handled tacklers. They can handle things in that realm. And then you have the box obviously stuffed up as well. So you just that's the cover to invert in a nutshell, Greg. By the way, speaking of in a nutshell. No, you couldn't fit
3: that in a nutshell. That was a
2: lot of information. Um, we have a lot to talk about for this game before we move on. Hello, heroes. Phil here again this week. I guess nobody else wanted to do the recording, so I'm doing it again. This week, <laughs> oh, no. we're on with the Green Bay Packers over the Baltimore Ravens. That's Aaron Rodgers is on fire, and we don't even know if Lamar is going to play. Nick says it doesn't pass the mirror test, but I don't care. Lock it up. <laughs> I like it shortened to the point there by
4: Phil and Nick. It calm, does. Pa- it does pass. Calm down with the mirror test. Um, it's like a four, four and a half point spread. Oh, that, yeah, it's that fine. definitely it's passes fine. five plus, and a half right now. Plus, but, yeah. like it is the Ravens. The Ravens, des- like they deserve a at little, home and a little game organizational love.
2: They're five and one at home this year. They're one of the few teams that have had a home field advantage. I, I like that lock. By the way, if Smart. anyone's curious where we're at, the wrestling brothers are seven and seven this year. So it's been a kind of a middling year for them in their Speaks first year. Speaks to their
3: infighting and the
2: way that they operate. Right. That's, uh, but it's not, they're only three games out. Mark and I are 10 and four and the listeners are eight, eight, and six. Mm. And Ricky, it says two and 11, but like I'm saying, I think maybe you got to take that and maybe flip it. Maybe she's closer to like, I don't know, seven and six, something like that. I but think, I think that's fair. Even if it's not official, like we know. You've done the Patriots great service. All right, let's pause right here and take a break. We'll be right back. All right. Let us move on. Wow. I can't believe that game went that late. It goes now to Greg with the penultimate pick in our draft.
4: Oh, wow. I'm going to take a, a late game. I know Mark doesn't want two late games. We want a happy Mark on Sunday. Cincinnati, Denver. Love these games. I love that the whole season is like a story, you know, and now we get to see, like, what's the ending of the story? And I know, you know, you're like in Mark's world. These two teams aren't going to win the Super Bowl. So, does their story really matter? I well, think- wait. Who was more excited about the the Bengals a week ago that, than than I? A couple I. weeks ago, you were you were so angry that they were losing to the Chargers, only because you had a strong take about them. Which I found that is, I like
2: that. So window into the soul. I, I like that. that.
3: Well, it was the I final like, the- like nail in the coffin
4: for me to realize I have no idea what's happening at all. <laughs> That's what did it. I um,
2: we're all in the same boat. No,
4: I like that. Um, like if I, if if I was living and dying on our takes, like you just would be dying yes. every week. Like yeah. how many times would would I be dying? I I think these two teams are interesting. I think there's a good chance you know one of these teams makes the playoffs here. I know you guys don't want to hear about it, but it's like Teddy Bridgewater has a. Pretty legitimate chance to be like starting starting that first Saturday because the Broncos are going to be in that Saturday afternoon. Worst time slot playoff game if they're in it, most likely. Yeah, I feel like Teddy could be in this game like we're going to find the end to this story. And when I look at the Broncos, I think there's at least a case to be made that this time of year is their chance to be their best they've been all year. Because I think the defense for the last five or six weeks has gotten out of their funk and the offense is at least healthier than it's been. And this Bengals team, on the other hand, there's something not adding up to me. Like they're 21st in offensive DVOA. This is great talent. I think Joe Burrow's playing like a top seven or eight quarterback to me it comes to coaching where it's not they're not maximizing their guys. And Fangio and Zach Taylor are two third-year coaches who have been around uh, a little while. They're Gosh. getting to the end here. I kind of trust Fangio a little more in this spot than, than I do the Bengals. Zach Taylor is
3: um, being put into a rough place this week. I think a lot of people feel like the way that you do, that, that some of the gamesmanship and decisions a week ago in that loss um, were fell on coaching. And it's just like let Joe Burrow go – B. Joe Burrow, and I, I would say though of these two teams that the Bengals, when you get the good version, could go into the seventh seed or or into a playoff situation and, and entangle with anyone. They're more interesting. They, of they their definitely players. are, and like I mean, they're they're penchant for big plays um, just makes them watchable and extremely dangerous. And uh, this is their season, I think, because they've got a rough slate too. They've got Baltimore, Kansas City, and Cleveland after this game. Yeah,
2: give me a wild card Saturday. That has Cincinnati and Minnesota both playing on the same day. That Can't would go be wrong. Fun. Give me give me that. Uh, we talked about, and to the point of some of the Zach Taylor criticism, uh, we mentioned on Tuesday's show the run-run pass decision in overtime when they were first and 10 at the 26 in overtime. Jamar Chase was asked about that after the game, and Jamar Chase showed up and had a huge game um, in that loss. And when he was asked, why do you think – you guys decided to run and get run heavy in that spot when you're moving the ball, passing so well. And his response was, "Shoot, good question, man, good question." <laughs> well, that's typically <laughs> just like leaving the coach
3: out, you know, hanging him out to dry.
4: You know, there's a guy I follow on Twitter, Ali Connolly, uh, who's over in the UK. He's he's been on um, Mina Kimes's podcast. Ali Connolly. He, he, he described he, he's much smarter exes and knows than I did. but he described the Zach Taylor offense as like not really an off. Like, and this kind of to me speaks to Zach Taylor, the coach. He doesn't really have, like, the Zach Taylor offense. He just sort of, like, grabs, like, the greatest hits from all the other offenses. And that, to me, that that makes sense. There's something formless to me uh, about this group, about this offense. And maybe I'm just biased and wanting to buy into this uh, Broncos team one more time. But there's, there's like, there's something there that I actually think the Broncos have have forged some toughness throughout the course of this season and their defense, especially, I think is finally showing up. Like, like we thought
2: it might early in the year. All right. uh, Up next, I think the final pick in the draft goes to the old Zeuser, and I will grab jets at Dolphins story this week. Ringer doing some good NFL writing, Ben Solak wrote the first piece that I've seen, the first national piece. Zach Wilson's been bad. What does that mean for his NFL future? And I thought the timing was interesting because Sunday was the first day when I was thinking the same exact thing to myself. I was like, is this going to be okay? <laughs> so that's where, like, this Jet season, the rest of this week, uh, or the rest of this year, now 3-10, 11 straight years with the, without the playoffs, that's the longest streak in the NFL. It's like, is Zach Wilson going to show us something between now and week 18, or are we going to go into this offseason in a full on? Uh Oh, this he's going to be on on basically trial in his second year because that's kind of how things work now. You don't get four years to figure it out. Typically, it's two and then it's decision time for these teams. So it happens quick. Zach Wilson, can you make progress here? Now, the Dolphins are a tough opponent to do it against on the road. It's not going to make it easier for Zach Wilson. But the Miami team is another team that all right, Zach Wilson, show me something Miami. It's not like there's, they have done nothing wrong. In fact, all they've done is win for like a month and a half now. But I don't have to be excited about the Dolphins yet. I don't, I don't have to feel like they're a team I need to see as a, a contender in the AFC. Even if I know they're in playoff positioning, they still do not do it for me. But am i am i wrong to feel this way that they're not excited it's it's like you can only play your schedule but this has been the softest schedule i ever remember a team getting for this amount of time
3: i think it's fine to feel that way because we we can't you know either genuinely be excited or manufacture excitement over 32 different teams at the same time it's a little too much but I, I'm i a little different within you on the Dolphins, that I just think that they went back to what I liked about them a year ago on defense and refound that identity. And, you know, if you look about Zach Wilson, like he could look across the way at Tua, who coming into year two is draped with questions throughout his season, but has actually played, I think, quite well inside their
4: system and does not help that they won't have he Jalen Waddell. He is the Waddell. system in a, in, a, in a way that almost unlike any quarterback, you know, they brought in his college coach, They're so RPO heavy. I think he's, like, leads the NFL in yards, you know, on run-pass options by, like, double any other quarterback, despite him... You know, missing those games. He's really good at the short game stuff, and that's basically all they run. It's not aesthetically pleasing, so I totally get Dan why. Like defensively, yeah, they've turned it on. I think they were they were trying to do what they were doing a year ago. It just wasn't working for the first six or seven games. They are an incredibly aggressive defense, and now it's working. They're a tough defense to, to play against, and their offense is not fun to watch. But you know, Tua and Zach Wilson. There's a big dichotomy there. Tua a looked like an NFL quarterback from day one. Zach Wilson has struggled to a degree that I thought thinking you know that during that game like, of course you got to play him, but should should he if he played two more starts like that should should he be playing football because
2: it's not serving anyone. Yeah, his the way he you could tell the game is not slowing down for him. You see it week after week. He doesn't process the game fast enough. And the only hope is that with reps and time and just going through the motions of being a young quarterback, that improves. But history is littered with guys, guys that are top five picks that you saw it immediately, that the game wasn't really going to translate for them. And that's the only thing I'm nervous about. And I'm not saying that um, that he's doomed in my eyes. But like, I didn't even feel this way about Darnold. Darnold, I thought he was showing enough in his rookie year, especially near the end of that year was like, okay, there's something to build on here. With Wilson, there hasn't been much of a base here to get excited about. You could have a couple a couple quarters here and there where he got hot, but otherwise, any other quarterback that's on this roster has been better than him.
3: It, I think he's looked really concerning, but one difference between him and Darnold is like everyone protected Darnold's play to such a degree because they had Adam Gase to blame everything on. I hear almost no blame for the Jets coaching staff, and I, I understand that like Robert Sala is... A, Someone that personality wise we enjoy, but I mean, there's a lot to be said for how a couple other teams around the league have, you know, developed rookie quarterbacks. Look at Mac Jones. I mean, it's, I understand that's the part of it is though the numbers
4: like they were literally top 10 in EPA without Zach Wilson. Like Josh Johnson looked pretty darn good. Joe Flacco is doing a good job, right? They played Flacco against the Dolphins last time because they didn't want to expose Wilson in the game. Now he has to play that game. Um, Mike White had his moments like, you know, like the other three quarterbacks all looked. Yeah. Better. The Mike White game that everyone like went nuts over. We're like, wasn't he throwing like three and
3: four yard passes the whole time? I'm not taking that away from it. It's just right. that I'm not I, like Zach Wilson needs more
4: time. But like, it's he not just, just, just a, a hard, Zach Wilson isolated issue. He needs an off season reset and maybe he comes back a different player. I've seen it happen with Eli Manning and Alex Smith. Those are two guys drafted just you know. It's annoying. The the thing though is those guys were
3: drafted like even at a time where, and I know it's a Manning brother, but like quarterbacks that are drafted top five, seven, eight,
4: these these years should come in ready to go. College is different now. Right, Dak. I think to Mark to Dan's point, he's at a level where. It's among the worst of the worst, like rookie seasons from quarterbacks. Doesn't mean there hasn't been cases where you don't don't bounce back. Those those are two of them, Eli and Mm -hmm. Alex Smith. But more often than not, it's a pretty big
2: red flag. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not trying to ring the alarm bell too loud here, but I think their offensive line is not good. But it's OK. It's been good last year. That's what worried me
4: last week. Their offensive line played great. The Saints don't have much of a pass rush. There was They've no pressure good. in that Dude. game.
2: There was no pass rush in that Dude, game. Saints, Jets. You want to know how many sacks George Fant has given up at left tackle this year? One like the, the line has been OK. They're playmakers. They're not terrible. They have tight end issues, but they have some playmakers. They've had health issues. And the offensive play calling is not been bad. It was shaky early on, but I don't know how much of that is connected to them realizing how deep they were into it with the rookie quarterback being in over his I'm head. I'm worried
4: about this week. Anyway, I mean, it could be. Well, Miami I think we got it
2: is scary. It's it's not something that I want to talk about, but I feel like it's something that should be stated at this point. Um. All right. Let's see. That closes the draft. What do you have left? What left? Uh Washington
3: at Philadelphia and Carolina at Buffalo.
2: All right. Who Washington, are games. Washington at Philly. Uh, Mark, you want to get us going there? Well, I mean, it's it's
3: uh, along with the, the Browns Raiders game. I, I mean, what's happening to Washington is the centerpiece. They have right now um, a flood of players on the COVID list. They have a, th- a total of 30 players on COVID and IR. I think they've got something like 30-something active players to even put on the field. So this team that a couple weeks ago – uh, was a, a fun little factor in the playoff race. Is probably a sitting duck for Philadelphia. That you know, I mean, th- these guys play each other in a couple of weeks, so it could look a lot different than th- at that point. I guess we want to. S- we don't know if Jalen Hurts is definitely going to play.
4: No, it sounds like he that. had a high ankle sprain, which they successfully shielded from the media for a while. Which is that funny he's cause That's
2: always the first question the media asks whenever, whenever anybody has an ankle issue.
4: Um, and so. It, this injury, which we didn't think was that serious, now it's coming on three weeks. It sounds like Minshew has a decent chance to to play in this game. I don't think it matters. Like, I would have loved to uh, throw a little Rainmaker fun on this earlier in the week. Even before the COVID stuff, it was at five and a half. The the football team, it's now up to nine and a half, and I still love the Eagles in this to, to go over that because the Eagles defensive line is healthy. This Washington offensive line is not at all. And the level of... COVID players and injuries to Washington is unlike I think anything that's happened to any team in the last two years. And I think people are getting wise to that. That's why a team like the Eagles is favored by nine and a half. And even then I don't think it's enough. Like I I think the Eagles could win this game by 20 or 30. The defensive line for Washington is down like five of their top six players. But then just regular old injuries, Curtis Samuel, uh, is hurt. Terry McLaurin is coming off a concussion, might not play in this game like they. They're so banged up. It, it just doesn't feel fair. Uh, and I don't think this will be this close. stuff gets stupid at this point. Sorry.
2: I mean, and, you know, if you're Gardner Minshew, you're thinking to yourself, OK, if I can just get a <laughs> second start, especially in this matchup right now. And with then the injuries, I, I destroy Washington after I lit up the Jets. That's going to put the head coach in a tough position to take me out of the lineup. He he had cover to defend his QB one after one game. But if I do it two games in a row, it doesn't matter who I beat. But if I light up Washington, mm. they might. Have I to mean, keep yeah, the if they
3: factor into the fact that like Greg and I are starting along Washington's defensive line by Sunday. But <laughs> yes, right.
4: I know it does feel like a little ghoulish um, sometimes, you know, to make analysis, like, based off all this COVID stuff. But, you know, the the checks deposit either way. I think it's going to be raining here uh, on Sunday. I just want to see that graphic again. Let's see it. Let's bring it up.
2: Eagles, let's do this. Got to give our production team a little heads up on that, Craigie. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Every moment I live is agony. There it is. There's the money just pouring out of his mouth. Like a 21-year-old on his birthday. I can't wait to go 0-2 here and then uh, put it back in (laughs) mothballs. Well, Uh, finally, the Carolina Panthers at Buffalo Bills. All right, so. Skid City. Perfect spot for the Bills. I mean, you could not add. The only better opponents really would maybe be the two teams playing each other, Jacksonville and and Houston. Maybe the Jets. But the Panthers are in that group as well, where it's like, this is when you want to catch the Panthers. They are uh, a sinking ship. They don't know what's going on. Uh, Their quarterback play has been off the charts bad for weeks. Christian McCaffrey is not only Christian McCaffrey is like, I'm already out for the year, but let me just I got COVID too. do not dare. Put me back in the lineup. I'll see you in 2022. Uh, So he is long gone out of the picture and the bills who need a win in the worst way. If we if we were like those people that do their Sunday kickoff shows, and this drives me crazy when it's like, um, oh, yeah, I have to lock a game. Oh, yeah. Bills over Panthers. That's my lock. I oh, mean, the, gut, that's, the gutless locks. Gutless yeah, locks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be my gutless lock is Bills getting the win they need because they opt to play the right. old Greg game that works. What's, what makes more sense? The Bills coming out of the 7-7 seven and seven and the Panthers 6-8 <laughs> and eight, or the Bills getting to 8-6 and six <laughs> oh. and the Panthers continuing their fade to 5-9? This is
4: another one. Like favorites late. I think finally – we keep saying like we don't know anything, but the last couple of weeks – actually favorites have – just keep winning and I think the truly bad teams have shown themselves and that's what you're doing like the line here is 10 and a half and that doesn't seem nearly enough and it's I know I know you're getting on the, the quarterback play and that's what's getting attention the, the- can played pretty well for most of that game except for the the uh, pick six I gotta say uh, but the- well, how about the Dolphins game not,
2: not well. Uh, the defense. Well, what about that terrible fumble right? at midfield that ended the game? That, essentially, that He's was been a liability.
4: That that was a weird handoff play. You're right. I mean, no it, was a, it was a it was a weird snap. Quarterback. I'm just saying I I was expecting like a terrible game and he was like six for eight for 87. It was really just if you took away the pick six, he had a fine game. My point is the defense is not special at all. Like they can't get off the field. I thought they were going to be special. They're not at all. There's no reason they should. So and the interior offensive line for Carolina is unplayable rule has all this stuff about he wants to be a running team. Well, draft. Or develop a good offensive line, or, or hire a good offensive line coach. They are one of their interior offensive line f- from the the real tape heads, like Baldy, think are right there with Miami as like the worst in the entire NFL. I don't know. I. Think it's just one of the most
2: concerning. Goes by forty. One of the most concerning developments <laughs> to what's happened too. to Matt Rule. <laughs> I like it. Three picks from the Rainmaker. Yeah, let's do it. All right. There you go. You got three picks. You want (laughs) to pay for Christmas? You want to pay? You want Santa to be taken care of financially? This is like follow the rainmaker to the
4: the desert. It's like a guest star coming back to a TV show, but then they like overuse him way too much and everyone's sick of it.
2: It's a reboot. And let's hope you're not uh, big at the end of that episode, you know, clutching your chest, laying Mm. in a shower stall. All right. There you go. Spoiler. <laughs> I don't
3: spoiler.
2: care. Spoiler. Uh, apologies if anybody yeah. hadn't seen episode one of the Sex in the City reboot. I will definitely not again? be seeing it, again but
0: I've heard,
4: I've heard this spoiler many times. <laughs> yeah. and that's fine. pretty big story. Uh,
5: and, oh, and then it then it was there. It and was. then there was it you. was that was a yeah.
4: catastrophic decision to make it that because every single negative headline about this show is just and
2: then it was a piece of shit or whatever. <laughs> it's like I've seen that sort of headline. Good headline. bad to give it to him. All right. So there you go. That is the week 15 preview tonight. Greg Rosenthal special guest, Lakeisha Wesseling. Oh, Keisha. big, big get in a big spot. I like it. I love it spot. from Wesseling Manor. That's right. From Wesseling Manor. That's pretty good. That's a good get. So Greg and Keish will be handling the TNF recap of Charger's Chiefs. Check that out and then Sunday night we'll be back as a group to recap every game we just previewed. That's how it works. Make sure you check out the around the NFL broadcast on NFL Network. You catch it streaming live on NFL.com Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. We've never plugged that before, but you can. You can lit that. We've literally we never said it before. That. You could watch it live on NFL.com. Hey, we're
4: on, on a game day this week, uh, I think, or I hope. Uh, it's a Saturday no, NFL a, Network game.
2: It's a, we should be checking that. And then Saturday, maybe we'll be on TV because the time slot usually doesn't clash with football games because we're on at 4 a.m. here in California on Saturdays, 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. The Around the NFL broadcast two hours. We go around the NFL and hit every team in the league. So check that program out. We're proud of it. You like the podcast? You like the TV show? That's a promise. And if you watch the TV show like a year ago or two years ago and you're like, oh, it's not the same as the podcast. Well, first of all, up your nose with a rubber hose. (laughs) Number two, check it out now. Tell us what you think. Tell us Does it still feel that way? It's been
3: rebranded. And shame on you if you've taken that much time in between two minutes per
2: team. No, judge. If you listen to the podcast, we love you. I'll judge them just a little bit. All right. I don't judge you. Mark judges you. But come back to the TV show. Give it a chance. You'll love it.
5: You can watch it on YouTube, too. UK people that don't get NFL Network or can't see it at, on Sky, you can yeah. watch it on well,
3: YouTube. Well, the numbers on YouTube well. are just – they're insane.
5: They are. They're really well,
3: – well, it no, they well. check, check it out. We're doing YouTube. big numbers.
4: Huge. We're doing really big numbers yeah. across the board. Every team covered. So if you're just like a huge Falcons fan and you just – if even if you don't want to hear the rest of the teams, you just, just go right to the Zoom Falcons. In. Got you two minutes. Right to the Falcons. If you're sick of your team and Case don't want to hear about them too bad. just
5: tested positive for COVID. No, he didn't. Yeah.
4: Oh, Mark. That would have... um, Oh, that
3: puts Nick
5: Mullins into
4: the
3: That would have been worth
5: the breaking news, but I I know you're trying to get it in. I just screamed it out, so I was like, oh, my God. You guys guys were members
2: of the Nick Mullins fan club, especially you, Rosenthal, so maybe they have a chance still. I like Nick Mullins,
3: but I don't like the way that we've got him back in our life here. That's brutal. That
2: is brutal. Well, how do we know Nick Mullins doesn't have it if the other two quarterbacks do? This is the worst. This COVID-19, my (laughs) God, can we... Can we please? Can we can we chill out with this? Well, they, they said I, I they just, would not. They will not consider
3: removing re-mo- you know, the game. But there's no to move it. First of all, Sunday, not,
2: even a day wouldn't
3: help. Think if that's going to change much. But that, but you're right. Why not Sunday? Because well, I'll tell you why. It's, it's green Money. and it's it's a it's shaped like it's a, thing, a a a, the thing that's shooting
2: out of the right. monster Greg's mouth, right? In the Rainmaker <laughs> the segment. Monster. All uh, right. I'm sorry, Mark.
4: Well well, I mean life goes on. What, what can what can
2: I it do? It is a little
4: uh, it is tough, um
2: tough for those brownies. All right. But good for you people who love a long podcast. All right, let's go. <laughs> Dan Hans signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, the gravedigger, who closed the door on his private life tonight today. That was I thought that was a class act. But he's opening the door to a new bedroom this weekend. And then he's closing it. Yeah, I'm not
4: sure we've sealed that up entirely. Heed the call.
7: Let's go places.